What is the Army Museum Enterprise? How many artifacts, such as uniforms, weapons, and equipment, does the Army have? How does the Army Museum Enterprise help educate the force? For answers to these questions and more insights, stay tuned. Welcome to the U.S. Army History and Heritage Podcast, the official podcast of the United States Army Center of Military History. The Center of Military History writes and publishes the Army's official history, manages the U.S. Army Museum Enterprise, and provides historical support throughout the U.S. Army. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the United States Army History and Heritage Podcast. I'm Lee Reynolds the Strategic Communications Officer for the Center of Military History. In this episode, I'm speaking with Colonel Brian W. Hunt, the Director of the Army Museum Enterprise. We'll be talking about the vast amount of artifacts the Army maintains, how Army museums contribute to force development, and how soldiers and civilians can visit Army museums. Welcome, Colonel Hunt, and thanks for joining me. Uh, Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to be here. We're actually recording this at the Museum Support Center. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Well, let me just give them a little background about you and let them know who you are. So Colonel Brian W. Hunt is the director of the Army Museum Enterprise, which is a directorate within the United States Army Center of Military History. Uh, he joined the Army in 1987 as a 19 Delta Cav Scout, enlisted first. He served in I-Troop both, in both the 2nd ACR and 3rd ACR. He served as a driver, gunner, and Bradley command on the M3 Cavalry Fighting Vehicle. He served in Desert Shield and Desert Storm. He left active services as a sergeant to go to college. Uh, He served in the California National Guard while attending college. And he received his Bachelor of Arts degree in history from Cal Poly at San Luis Obispo. Commissioned in 1996 as an infantry officer. Left your armor roots there, I see. (laughs) His assignments include mechanized platoon and mortar platoon leader, light infantry staff and company command. He served as an observer controller and trainer at the National Training Center at Fort Irwin, California. He was with the Canadian Maneuver Training Center, Canadian Force, uh, Canadian Forces Base Wainwright, and at the Joint Multinational Training Center in Hohenfels, Germany. He deployed to Iraq as a transition team chief for the Iraqi National Police in 2007-2008, and as the Romanian American Battle Group Deputy uh, Commander in Zabul, Afghanistan in 2009 and 10. Colonel Hunt has served in a variety of staff positions to include at U.S. Strategic Command, Office Program Management, Saudi Arabia National Guard, and in the Canadian Army Doctrine and Training Center. Lots of that's a very diverse career. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I've, I've had a uh, a career that's uh, probably not the normal infantry career, but uh, it's been a, a fun one so far. So, infantry officer, that's your background. How did you end up being with the Army Museum Enterprise? Well, I, I think it's uh, the AIM, the AIM uh, talent management uh, mm-hmm. system now, right? So now you get to see all the jobs that are open and available. Uh, I saw that this job was open. I contacted the old director, <laughs> kind of asked him what, what went on with the job, right. uh, and then contacted my branch chief and said that I was interested, and then, you know, went, went through the AIM process. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, it was uh, 
it was a great opportunity. Um, well, you're a history major. Yeah. So this kind of falls in line with uh, your own personal interest. Yeah. And I, uh, so as a history major at a, at a engineering school, so I've got no concentration. So I just kind of took broad subjects mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and I think it kind of fits this, this network here of, just a, a diverse, eclectic type of history. All right. Well, great. Well, welcome. And um, this is exciting, the Army Museum Enterprise. So for our listeners, can, can you describe what the AME is all about? So the AME really is uh, designed to preserve the, the history of the U.S. Army by collections, uh, exhibiting and, presenting the, and preserving the artifacts uh, that reflect the material history of the U.S. Army and the individual soldiers' stories, um, and some family stories. Mm. We get some donations uh, about family life that's uh, occurred in the Army. Oh. So it's really the material, the preservation and um, exhibiting of the material culture of the U.S. Army. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about the families. Uh, I know recently at Fort Leavenworth, the museum there, they have a whole exhibit about the Girl Scouts at Fort Leavenworth, and I found that uh, fascinating. But um, it, it was hand-in-hand hand with the soldiers and the soldier families. Sure, uh, yeah. At I Fort mean, Leavenworth. I think if you go to – my daughter was a Girl Scout at Fort Jackson. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think you go to almost every Army base and you'll see a very active uh, Boy Scout, Girl Scout, mm -hmm. um, you know, detachments or, or right. things there. So I think it's, you know, it's part of providing those, those outlets for – families right because mm -hmm. soldiers are going to do what the soldiers are, are, are designed to do <laughs> right but in the meantime there's families that are still mm -hmm. on the installation or around the installation that would like to be involved in in the life there so absolutely and having museums at installations i think is is a great way for families to get involved to learn more <clears throat> excuse me about their the the culture about what their their family is doing in the military so let's talk about that for for a second where are Army museums. How many do we have and where are they located? So we have uh, 37 museum activities, meaning that there's there's 37 museum buildings um, and four training support facilities. So a training support facility is really a, a massive 30 to 50,000 square foot warehouse oh. um, designed for, for macro artifacts. So vehicles, rockets, Oh. artillery pieces those type tanks, of tanks that kind of stuff yeah uh and we have one that they actually uh brought in a, a uh an atomic cannon so it's a cannon on a rail car and oh, they wow. had to bring that in before they could build the building <laughs> which so they, one is that Did so that's the ordnance training support facility down at fort lee okay. um and then we have two museum support centers, one here that we're at at Fort Belvoir, and then one down at Anniston at the Army Depot at Anniston, Alabama. What's the purpose of the museum support centers? So the museum support centers are really purpose-built facilities um, to store the artifacts. Mm -hmm. Most museums have about 10% of their artifacts on display at any given time, and 90% are stored. Oh, wow. um, and it, it's interesting, as as research and time goes by, what we start to understand is is the environmental considerations that mm -hmm. actually erode and and um, decay artifacts. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, we've got army regulations that are really tied to industry standards uh, that are established by the Alliance of American Museums, mm -hmm. 
it, that provide for humidity and temperature control because that's just absolutely critical to the artifacts. Even uh, what type of boxes, like, you know, we unpack things that soldiers packed up and, you know, when <laughs> units deactivated or, you know, from World War II, Vietnam, and they were put in just wooden boxes. Well, mm. so, some wood off gases, some wood is treated, and that mm. actually becomes corrosive mm -hmm. to the artifacts or enables infestation of bugs and, and, mm -hmm. and things like that that will eat away at those artifacts. Or you can have a, um, uh, a chemical reaction from different types of metals uh, that are stored together. Mm. And so... Uh, so these, these facilities are especially built for, to have the right environment, clean air, certain temperature. Yep, and staffed. And staffed. And yeah. staffed That's for important. people to... Uh, when we pull uh, artifacts off of an exhibit or get donated an artifact, mm -hmm. um, they make an assessment, they do some preservation work, then they store it correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, and then... And so that's like... You know, when you when you have a uniform, you actually have to put things under between the buttons and the, the cloth oh, because right. it can it can uh, tarnish and, and corrode. And so and then they so all acid free, no off gassing. And then they, they put them into boxes and then they put them into uh, cabinets that are limit the airflow. OK, so uh, to, to really preserve this because. Part of our mission is the preservation of these artifacts mm -hmm. for the next generations of Americans. Right. I mean, this is this is the Army's history and, and heritage that we store here. Sure. And you can look. You look at a uniform uh, from World War One, mm -hmm. and you can see differences. Like you've got the standard uh, brass disc on the on the the collar, but then all of a sudden you'll see a uniform we have uh, in the back here at, at Belvoir, and it's got a uh, engineer embroidered mm. branch insignia mm. well those were french so they had them made in france oh. and attached to the uniform mm -hmm. and when you when you think about climbing in and out of a trench and doing all the activities uh, that you do in in combat like people lose buttons they lose uh, epaulets they they lose material right mm. Uh, so when they sew it on there, that's somebody that really cared about right. uh, being identified and, and what their role was. Um, and so you can start telling kind of what the characteristic of, of a person was and the activities that they were doing in combat. Right. So uh, you mentioned that 10% of most museum artifacts are on display. Is that the same case uh, throughout the Army Museum Enterprise? Um, it, it's probably a, a little less than 10% just because we, you know, um, at the 37 locations, we're on 30 installations. So we have some mm. installations that have multiple museums mm. on them. Uh, How many artifacts in the Army collection? So there's roughly about 580,000 artifacts. Wow. Um, and we are decreasing those because some of these were, you know, as uh, as a Army developed museums. Museums were just kind of developed by command emphasis mm -hmm. um and and they hired people that were directors and um and not necessarily museum professionals okay now what we have are museum professionals they have mm -hmm. master's degrees in museum studies um they know how to preserve and build uh storylines to actually mm -hmm. create exhibits but they um what we found is we have a lot of uh repetition 
We have a lot of the same mm-hmm. stuff. And if it's not actually on display in an exhibit, do we need a hundred <laughs> types of this uniform? Uh, right. Or do we need some that have actual precedence to a historic individual or a campaign mm-hmm. that was actually used in combat? Um, yeah. Or is it just somebody's grandpa's uniform out of the attic? Well, yeah. I mean, I, in my role as the tr- strategic communications officer, I, I'm getting emails and calls from people a lot saying, you know, uh, grandpa just passed away. We found his uniform. Say, we want to donate it to the museum. And so I usually refer them back here uh, to you all. So uh, that is very common. So what do you do when somebody wants to donate whether it's a uniform or a piece of equipment? So uh, if there's an army museum locally, Mm -hmm. they can get in contact with that museum director. So there is a process. Mm -hmm. Um, First, we'll get information on on what the item is, get a little bit of historical data. It it tends to help if it's more than, hey, my grandfather fought in, you know, uh, Korea, Mm -hmm. and this is his uniform with no... No other information. That's doesn't right. really help. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's hey, my grandfather was part of this division, mm-hmm. fought in this campaign, and you know this uniform was actually worn, and a little bit of history, uh, it goes to the museum, or it the information goes to the museum. Mm-hmm. The museum director then brings it into the collections committee. So the collections committee are um, members across the Army Museum Enterprise. They sit there, they, they review it, they make sure that the Army doesn't have a whole lot of that. If, if we have a whole lot of it, then they have to start looking at, is this a better example oh, yeah. right. of an mm-hmm. artifact? Or who wore it? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Or is, uh, is there a hole in our collection? Is there a gap that we don't have? And then so they'll refer either recommend or decline. And... Uh, mm. And so if it's recommended, then we'll process it with a, with paperwork because in the end, the donation is given free and clear to the Army. Okay, right. Uh, but I think it's important for people to know that not just because people want to donate it, the Army isn't necessarily going to accept it. Correct. For, for one reason or another. All right, so let's get back to the museums. Um, you said that there's oh, 37 different, I guess, Activity. activities. Where are they? Where is it? Is it just in the United States, or are they overseas? So we're we're in seventeen states, um, and then two foreign countries. So we we have museum in Korea, which is starting to. Uh, it was rebuilt as a purpose built museum mm-hmm. there, um, and they are now putting in the exhibit. So it okay. it will open up uh, sometime in September October of twenty twenty two. And it, it's, is it still called the 2nd Infantry Division Museum? Yeah. Well, it's uh, the 8th Army 2nd Infantry Museum. Okay. Yeah. So, right. uh, and where is that in Korea? Uh, so. Is that in Osan or? Okay. Yeah, no, but yeah, it's, uh, I know they moved. Yeah. Um, they moved south um, yes. out of Seoul. So. And I've never been to Korea, so I had no. No. no oh, you're missing just, out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you said we, we've got one or two in Germany. So there's technically two in Germany. There's one in, in the Yushra headquarters, mm-hmm. um, and then there's uh, one down in Vilsack. And so that's uh, the Reed Army Museum mm-hmm. um, down in Vilsack. And then throughout the United States, um, there are... Basically on active duty posts. 
Mostly around uh, active duty posts. There, there may be a few posts that don't have a museum, mm -hmm. but um, for the right. most part, it, it's... So if somebody wants to visit, if somebody is listening to this and they're a civilian and they want to visit an Army museum, but they're not sure if they can get on post, how, how can they do that? So most installations have a visitor uh, center. So if you want to go on to the base, you just contact their visitor center, mm -hmm. and then it's a matter of filling out a, a form, and it, I think a lot of it's uh, real ID. You have to have a, a, oh, okay. a real yeah. ID driver's license or documentation to get onto the post, and you can say that you just want to visit the museum. Mm -hmm. And all Army museums are free. Right, um, okay. And they do vary. Some, some are opened uh, Tuesdays through Saturdays, and some are open mm -hmm. Monday through Fridays. And the good thing is on our website, history.army.mil, we have a museum tab right at the top, So, and it's got a great locator. So if anyone does want to visit a museum, you can go to that museum tab. Uh, you can look for it by state. And it will give you all the information. It gives you all the hours. Um, and also, I think you, you can contact the museum and you can get that information on how to access the post. So, yeah. But I think we're now we've got some, some museums that are starting to um, open new facilities that are off post. In fact, one in Texas. Let's talk about that real yeah. quick. So, um, you know, post 9-11 – Access to installations is, is, you know, not as easy as it once was. Um, and so we've been able to procure um, museum properties. Or the, the one in Texas at Fort Hood is right outside the main gate of Fort mm -hmm. Hood. And it's actually on the installation but outside of the fence line. Okay. So free public access. You don't have to go through a gate or anything like right. that. Right. And uh, – and that was actually a gift from a foundation. So they did a capital campaign. They got with the installation, um, and they they drove the building of this. Um, and so it was really a, a win for the Army. Um, we had two museums. We had a, a, a 3rd Cavalry Regiment Museum and a 1st Cav Museum, mm. uh, both on the installation. But they, they were focused on those uh, units. This museum is actually focused on mounted warfare. Oh, okay. So um, now it's taking the artifacts from those museums. So a large part of those museums will have the, the history mm -hmm. and kind of story of the units that occupy Fort Hood. But it's really going to talk about um, how the Army transitioned, really from oh. horse mm -hmm. to mounted warfare. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think it's called the National Mounted Warfare Museum, I think. National Mounted Warrior Museum. War, Warrior Museum. All right. Well, great. Well, that's that's exciting, and hopefully that's a good trend. But I, I, I think it's good that people understand, no matter where the museum is, if it's on post or off post, that they can access it and get out there and see it. And we just did a ribbon cutting last week at Fort Drum. Oh. They moved uh, their museum right outside one of the gates, and uh, they've opened up a really nice brand-new facility there. Um, and... You know, it, it talks about the 10th Mountain Division, right. uh, and it's just really a, a great mm -hmm. new museum. Uh, oh, great. So if anyone's upstate New York there, they, they need to stop by. I mean, all these museums are fascinating. But why is it important to have Army museums in communities around the nation? So the U.S. Army really isn't regimentally structured anymore like like our European counterparts, mm -hmm. right? You don't go in a regiment for life. Mm -hmm. um, and so as we transition and we move around the Army, 
it's incumbent upon us to learn the history of those organizations, to understand the esprit de corps or develop some esprit de corps in the organization that we're going to be a member of. Mm-hmm. And the museums help us do that. Mm-hmm. They, they allow us to understand the history uh, of those organizations as they transition through time and why um, certain battles were significant, why certain pieces of equipment were significant in that organization's history. Um, and so it just allows us to be a better member of that. And then as a, a family member, it allows us to identify with the uh, with your soldier and the actual installation mm-hmm. so that you can kind of understand about the history yeah. too. Uh, so when things are being discussed, you're, you're actually an active participant. Yeah, yeah, and you feel more rooted in that community. Um, and especially when families are moving around every two, three, maybe four years, um, it's a great way to welcome uh, those families to that new community and to better understand the community. Right, and our, our divisions are very diverse, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, and and they've changed. They've changed through time. You know, we've had some divisions that have been uh, light and then mechanized, then mm-hmm. striker, and mm-hmm. and so they go through a process uh, of maturing with time. Uh, and the requirements of the nation. And so that's kind of what the museum allows people Mm. to understand. It also um, provides outlets for researchers or other people to go to, um, like that atomic cannon that we were talking about. Uh, You know, we had uh, research and developers looking at those artillery pieces to figure out about how to develop long-range fires. Oh, interesting. Uh, So uh, we also provide an outlet uh, for research and development. And I know that uh, a lot of these uh, these posts, whether it's it's a training post or it's just a regular post, they'll bring the units in, the soldiers in, and um, they're learning more, you know, just about their their history um, and the history of the equipment that they're using. And I think that's fascinating. Yeah, so we, we do have uh, a few museums that have a Gear Faith program that um, – allows for soldiers to come in or units to to come into the museum mm-hmm. and then they kind of talk about uh the gear that the army's providing mm-hmm. so that they understand that it's designed to protect and save them mm-hmm. and so it develops faith that that mm-hmm. they're going to be protected right. um if they they execute their operation like they were trained to do mm-hmm. um we're looking to, to preserve their life right yeah. and so uh it's important for a soldier to know. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, and you look at uh, the development over time of uh, just weapon systems and and protection, right? Helmets and things mm-hmm. like that. It's a uh, it's pretty fascinating mm-hmm. how far we've come. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see it in a museum and you see it yeah. in an exhibit, uh, you know, and you go look at a World War One helmet, and then you look at a World War Two helmet, then all of a sudden you look at the early Kevlar. And mm-hmm. now you look at the new helmet, right? And, yeah. and you're, I mean, it, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. And you, you understand the reason why those changed over time. Uh, and it really all gets down to um, safety, preserving life. Well, and, and you look at the technology. Uh, so, you know, we have a, a training support facility down at Fort Benning. That's the Armor Cav training support facility. And you go look at a World War One tank <laughs> and it's riveted. Mm. Right. And so uh, a riveted tank, because that was kind of the technology at the time. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, steel construction and the development really of uh, that type of 
creation of a device, right? Mm -hmm. So it's more than just a tractor, but you know, ships were riveted, right? And then mm -hmm. so, but a tank all of a sudden on the battlefield gets hit by a projectile <laughs> and the rivets pop oh, and it looks wow. like a hairpin falling, you know, blowing mm -hmm. apart, right? Mm -hmm. And so that information was developed, brought mm -hmm. back, research and development done, and all of a sudden welding became a primary means mm -hmm. of creating a tank and sealing the structure to actually protect the crew hmm. from a catastrophic strike. Oh, wow. Um, and, and so you see this over time, and then you look at uh, MRAPs and, and MATVs and, and how all of a sudden they're designed to, when they when they get struck, they, they go into crumple zones, mm -hmm. and, and it protects the crews inside. So it's absolutely fascinating to mm -hmm. look at the development of um, – our, our machinery mm -hmm. uh, just over time. And you don't get that with just pictures. Right. Yeah, you got to visit it and see it. But um, these museums also have, a, I, I think, an, an importance with the local communities as well, not just the, the on-post, on-base communities, but the local communities. It's like a handshake, isn't it? It's, it's good community relations. People learn more about, you know, well, why do I have this army base here? Sure. I mean, you can look at uh, like Fort Jackson. Mm -hmm. So in 1917, Camp Jackson was created by the uh, um, what is it? The, uh, the the local board, like mm -hmm. um, the Chamber of Commerce, yeah. right? So they purchased the land and donated the land uh, to the army to build one of the training bases for World War One. To, to develop the, the uh, expeditionary force. Well, there, there are those type of bases and those developments. And the economic benefit that a military base provides to local community is absolutely mm. uh, fascinating. Yeah. But you also look at how those communities were developed, and they're, they're really interwoven uh, with that military base. And you can see those relationships develop over time. Yeah. Uh, Fort Sam has a great example of that. There used to be, uh, uh, you know, parties that would go on in the old quadrangle in the historical part of the installation um, that were very significant to the social life of San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you don't get that uh, if, if uh, they can't access the museums and, and then come in and learn that history too. Yeah, it, it, it's... Um it's a great handshake, I think. Uh, it's what I like to call it to to the community, and um, and you know it also serves a great recruiting benefit. People come in and understand the history, why it's there, and, and what the army has done over time. And one of the things I like to talk about, um, one part that I've seen in every museum I've gone into, is not just the battle stuff that that we're talking about, but it's army's contributions to society as well, and those local communities. Yeah, I mean. Um well, and you, and you look at it. So we have the, a women's army museum, mm -hmm. right? So the contribution of women uh, to the U.S. Army has been around since the U.S. Army has been around. Right. You know, you have Molly Pitcher. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Mary Walker. You have all of these significant contributions. So the army has actually um, been what the American culture mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And so I think um, that that's one of the things that we like to, to showcase mm -hmm. that we represent the American people 
uh, as the U.S. Army, and we can show that through artifacts and material culture. And in, in many ways, the Army uh, has been on the leading edge of societal change. And um, you know, we've seen that with women. We've seen that with the, um, the Integration Act in, was it 1948, um, EO 9981. And uh, yeah, and, but you get to see this in, in the museums, and, and I think that's what's great. And, and I hope people who are listening will get a chance to visit our Army museums around the country or in Korea and Germany. And to understand the Army's contributions, not just to the safety and security of the United States, but also um, to, the, to the communities around them. And, and talking about that, we have the new National Museum of the U.S. Army. Is that part of the Army Museum Enterprise? So it's part of the museum enterprise, as in, uh, so the Army Museum Enterprise provides governance over the collection that's there inside of the museum. But it is a separate museum uh, from the organization that I kind of deal okay. with. And, and that's a fascinating one, too. And just like the museums we're talking about at 10th Mountain Division and the new one at Fort Hood, it's off post. So it's, it's just outside of Fort Belvoir where we're recording this today. And people can go, and they don't, don't have to worry about you know, going through a security gate. They, they can just go into the museum. Right. I mean, it's really close to, uh, to the National Capital Region. Yeah. So if you're coming to go to the Smithsonian or, mm-hmm. or something like that, I mean, it's just right down the road. Yeah. Uh, what a great facility. I yeah. mean, just large campus, mm-hmm. uh, and it is, uh, it is world class. Yeah, Ex- excellent. And uh, um, so now I also want to talk a little bit about part of the Army Museum Enterprise is the Army Art Program. Can we touch on that a little bit and talk about that? Yeah, so um, in World War I, the, uh, the Corps of Engineers actually commissioned some artists. Hmm. And so they developed some art. And then in the interwar years, uh, they disbanded this program. Hmm. In World War II, then they developed a, an Army art program where we had some artists. So we've kind of kept that on. So now we have one Army artist, a combat artist, mm-hmm. uh, in the museum enterprise that gets tasked to go throughout uh, wherever the Army is. Mm-hmm. We've, we've sent them to Africa. Uh, we've sent them to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And uh, we link them up with Army units. And the artists will uh, do some art based on mm-hmm. the situations that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's part of the, the, the thought of capturing uh, Army life mm-hmm. uh, on canvas. Right. And so uh, absolutely fascinating program. We even have some art that's been donated uh, from artists that are in the Army Mm. that are just in units Mm -hmm. um, that have done paintings and done sketches and things like that and and want to donate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it kind of talks about, you know, what they were facing in the Army. Right. And we've got got a vast collection of art here. And and we're going to have future podcasts on the Army Art Program uh, but I just think it is part of the Army Museum Enterprise, so I just wanted to, to, to bring that up and make sure people are aware of this program. Yeah, and, and so uh, here at Belvoir, we have about 16, just over 16,000 pieces of art. Wow. Um, but then we also have an art collection at West Point. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a, a lot, and so that goes kind of, um, it, it's a lot of art from the cadets, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. Wow. So it's, uh, 
it may be just the good art that they kept. Because <laughs> when I was there, I didn't see any bad art. But <laughs> okay. I would have, I would have yeah. loved to seen mm-hmm. uh, a, a sketch or mm-hmm. something from Custard or or, or somebody, right? right? Or oh, MacArthur. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, maybe get their little doodles on the notepad. Right, but I guess that those type of things weren't kept or donated. Um, and then talking about West Point, you would know better than me. But was that our first museum? Yes. So that was the first museum, and it's also an influential American art area. So you have the oh. Hudson Valley Art School, oh. and so you have a lot of art that is kind of linked in. You know, the the late eighteen hundreds into the Hudson Valley art kind of thing. So. Um, they have a lot of that type of art mm-hmm. in our collection up there at West Point. So at the, our museums, are there any special exhibits either now or in the near future um, or any key artifacts that you think's kind of exciting or important for people to know about and should maybe you know plan to visit? Um, so I think if, if you're in uh, the Midwest, uh, Fort Riley is a, in, in the fall will open up. So we've just went through a multi-year uh, historical restructuring or reconstruction of the museum buildings of the Calv- U.S. Cavalry Museum mm-hmm. and the First Infantry Museum yeah. there. Um, just awesome native Kansas stone buildings, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're gonna put their they're fabricating their um, exhibits, and so those will reopen. So I think that's probably a must see if you're in the Kansas area, um, and then I think. Uh, other exhibits, uh, we just uh, married up a collection from uh, a service member, a, a female, that we got her collection and her uniform, and the whole collection is now back on exhibit at Fort Lee at the Women's Museum. Oh, cool. And so nice. that, that's that's pretty interesting, too. Actually, so. uh, um, yes, uh, and we've highlighted that on our social media as well. <laughs> so good. Excellent. All right, and then um, – we, we've already talked about the new museums that's opening, but the one at Fort Hood, when, when do you anticipate that opening? So that, that uh, design was just completed, and so now uh, we expect probably by fall for the fabrication of the exhibits to, to go out to contract. So it'll probably be about a year. Before it opens? And yeah, so um, when you say a year, just so because this podcast people listen to it any time, but we're looking at maybe the summer of twenty twenty three, probably late summer of twenty three, okay, into the into the fall. All right, great. So that's uh, just because there's supply chains to. issues. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, I totally understand that. Um, so, what else uh, do you think is important for people to know about the Army Museum Enterprise that uh, we haven't discussed? So a lot of our museums have foundations that are linked to them, private organizations that um, really help us out with uh, volunteers, uh, docents, Mm. individuals that maybe have a little bit of free time that are interested in history or the community and would like to share that as people come in to visit. Mm. Uh, So anybody that's interested in history or volunteering uh, I think if they get in contact with their local museum director and just ask them right. uh, about ways that they could help out and volunteer, uh, we are always looking for that. It's exciting. Yeah. Sure. I'm, yeah. If you have a passion for history and especially military history, what a great opportunity. Yeah. And it's it's just a, a way to give back uh, to the next generations of, right. of Americans that come into the museums. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And, you know, before we close, uh, it's time for my favorite segment. Who a trivia? So um, this is where you know if you have a 
a piece of significant army trivia that we can uh, bring up. Something that I'm hoping will wow the audience and, and certainly wow me. So is there some piece of army trivia that you want to share about the AME? Yeah. So um, going back to the West Point art collection. Mm-hmm. So when I was up there and looking, um, one of the things I like to ask our curators is, what's your most favorite object in the back of the Good museum? Question. Yeah. And uh, they pulled out, and there's actually two two pieces. So they pulled out a, a piece of art, and now West Point cadets used to have to take art classes. They had oh. an actual formal art course. And a lot of it was just parodying. It was uh, the uh, instructor would go to Europe, get a piece of art, <laughs> bring it back to the U.S., and then the, the cadets would would learn how to create that art through kind of uh, observation. Mm. Uh, well, there is a pencil sketch of a Greek warrior by William Tecumseh Sherman. Oh, wow. That is absolutely fabulous. From when he was a cadet? From when he was a cadet. Wow. And when you think of Tecumseh Sherman, you know, here's this, this kind of no-nonsense, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. general. Yeah. And, uh, and he was actually skilled maybe a renaissance man right oh, like wow. i mean it yeah it to me that was shocking like i kind of see him with a, a cigar in his mouth yeah, and just kind yeah. of you know uh not taking mm-hmm. any guff yeah. um and then there was another piece you know um same error but it's uh it was uh grant had oh. a watercolor that oh, was wow. like something that you'd probably hang in your house yeah but it was actually signed uh grant and then he came back as president and mm. signed it U.S. Grant. Oh, he re-signed it? And he, so he re-signed oh, funny. it because oh. his, his real middle name was Hiram. Oh. So, but what, on his West Point application, they put U.S. Grant instead of U.H. Grant. Oh, how funny. And so as and a cadet, just he just yeah. eventually adopted U.S. Grant. Well, that's another great bit of Hua trivia. So, oh. yeah. So that's so like US a trivia Grant per se. So U.H. Grant, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> How interesting. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this has been uh, very interesting and um, exciting because, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm clearly a, a fan of, of history, especially Army history, and I love going to the museums. I, I haven't been to all of our museums, but I've been to many of them, and they're fascinating and really encourage people to go and visit. And just a reminder – uh, people can find these museums through our website at history.army.mil. The museum tab is right in the top, and you can find a museum near you. And um, every once in a while, we'll, you know, on those museum pages, they have selections of their exhibits and artifacts, just as a little tease uh, to try and get people in. But uh, <clears throat> great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Colonel Hunt, for, for joining me today and this discussion and insights about the Army Museum Enterprise. And if anyone wants to learn more about the AME or more about Army history in general, please go to the website at history.army.mil. And um, if you want to learn more about Army history in general, then please visit our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, It's a very active social media, and we do Museum Monday. Every Monday we're highlighting a uh, a different museum or different artifacts or different exhibits. So please check that out. And then join us every week on this podcast for more in-depth discussions as we cover topics from all eras of U.S. Army history, 
examining battles, soldier experiences, equipment, weapons, and tactics. Thanks for joining us today on the United States Army History and Heritage Podcast. For the Center of Military History, I'm Lee Reynolds, and until next time, we're history. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or opinions of the U.S. Army or Department of Defense. For more information about the Army's proud history and heritage, go to history.army.mil.com.